Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Morning, church. Morning, morning. Hey, I'm um, Chris. Um, I just want thank you for that word you brought. I mean, there's been some good words today. Particularly, I resonated with the one about the Harley Davidson. But you brought a good word there. It's like, if we were God for a day, I think we'd mess it up. So there's a reason why we're not God, right? <laughs> and why God is God. And, um, you know, I was asked this morning, uh, is church still relevant? I was asked that question. I thought, you know what? Church is still relevant when we're actually doing what God wants us to do, which is, you know, looking out for the widows, looking out for the poor, Doing that kind of mahi, doing that kind of work is what God expects of us because we're a church who brings hope and transformation and we empower people in their lives. And when we fulfill that, then we're doing what God wants. Isn't that true? I'm glad I'm not God. But I think if I was, I'd want people to be more generous. More generous in love, more generous in forgiveness, more generous in peace-giving, we're generous with their finance. We're generous if countries were generous to other countries and we were generous to one another. I think things like war wouldn't exist because we'd be too busy loving one another. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wow. Maybe you let me be God for a day and we could do that. I don't know. No, I think I'd mess everything else up. I think I really would. Hey, um, look, a couple of things before we get going this morning. And, um, you know, uh, the first one is obvious, the Queen. Um, I need to, I really do need to mention that this morning because... You know, for I think probably most of us, the Queen has been the one constant kind of icon in life, right? She's never changed. <laughs> um, she's not God, but she's never changed. She had a faith in God, and her faith drove what she did and how she did it. And, um, and so we've got to remember the Queen at a time like this, because I know the Queen was very close for some of you. Um, and remember now we have a King. Um, and, uh, you know, we sit, we're part of the Commonwealth, and so we sit under our new king. And so I just wanted to pray quickly uh, for the royal family this morning and for the world, actually, that has resonated with the death of the queen. Uh, there's something about her that actually brings a lot of people together. Um, there's something quite special about that, and so I just want to pray into that. So let's just do that. Father, um, Lord, many of us have heavy hearts this week as we... We just acknowledge that our Queen has died. Uh, we want to recognize, Lord, the 70 years of unbelievable service she gave to the very last day. What an inspiration that is. Her faith was an inspiration, Lord, and the way in which she conducted herself, the way in which she lived her faith out, had an impact all around the world. And Lord, we've heard tributes from leaders all around the world in the last few days um, to who she was. Father, we're thankful to have that constant in our lives through everything that this world has been through. And Father, we want to pray this morning for King Charles III. Um, and Lord, pray your spirit to be upon him um, and that he would come with a similar heart. We pray for his reign. Um, that, Lord, he would do good in this world. Pray, Lord, for the royal family and those who are grieving the loss of a grandmother and a mother. Father, we pray um, for their grief. We pray they would know the comfort of God 
in their lives. Um, Guide us as a nation as we adjust into a new space as well into this, Lord. Um, We just thank you for the life that the Queen has been to us and the example it's been. We thank you for her life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, the second thing I want to acknowledge this morning is um, my dad is down from Whangarei today, and it's his birthday today. He's, he's 88 today. Also, there's, um, uh, there's a guy who got away with his birthday last week and didn't, didn't tell anybody. So Paul Nielsen turned 50 last week. Yeah, mate, you still look 32, bro. Yeah, just like me. So... <laughs> Yeah, so happy birthday to you guys. Happy birthday, Dad. Yep, we have a good day today. Looking forward to that. Hey, so um, look, let's, uh, let's get you up to speed to, with where we're at in terms of our series in Joshua, which we started two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, we met the Israelites, and uh, they are camped beside the Jordan River. They're about to move from what they have known for 40 years. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. This is what they know. They're about to move from what they know into the unknown, a land that they don't know, but a land that has been promised to them by God. And so here they are sitting at the Jordan River. The mantle of leadership has passed from Moses, who has now died, to Joshua. Now, if you know the bigger part of the story, Joshua was there 40 years ago. When they first came to this place where they were going to cross into the promised land. And if you remember, Moses sent 12 spies into the land. Joshua was one of them. And when the spies came back, Joshua and another man called Caleb gave a favorable report of the land. They said, you know what? This land is flowing with milk and honey. And it's good. And if God wants us to have it, It's ours. He's going to give it to us. But the other 10 spies gave a different report. They said, we can't go there. The people are too big. They're giants and surely we'll be defeated. And so they disobeyed God's command and promises and incited the whole Israel nation to go against Caleb and Joshua's report. And so they're exiled into the desert for 40 years. They wander. That whole generation pass away, except for Joshua and Caleb. Now that's really interesting, isn't it? The two that believed in the promises and the commands of God are the two that have made it to the brink of the promised land and are about to enter the promised land. And so now the Israelites, they've crossed over the Jordan River. A miracle in itself, this thing is raging, and yet God goes before them. The priests carry the ark and the river parts. The Israelites have crossed over, and now they are in the promised land. But they did something because they crossed the river. As they're crossing the river, and as they get to the end, they lay a bunch of stones and they create a memorial in the river. So that generation after generation after generation will look at that memorial and go, we remember what God did that day. God enabled our people to cross this river. He went before us and he's still with us. What memorials have you built in your lives? 
that tell the story of what God has done for you. Have you got any? Can you tell the next generation, this is what happened in my life? The Israelites have crossed over the river and now they are in the promised land, but they've come to the city of Jericho and boom, they're faced with the walls of Jericho. Have you ever hit the wall? (laughs) Have you ever hit the wall? You know, that feeling sometimes it's a, you know, well, if you're a, if you're a sports person, you understand the feeling of being physically exhausted, right? That hitting the wall, you haven't got anything left. But hitting the wall can be a mental block. It could be running out of ideas and not knowing what to do in life. When I was a youth pastor, not that long ago, I volunteered for an organization called Promise Keepers. And I ran an event for teenage boys. And I did that for 11 years, I ran that event. And in that time, over those 11 years, I met a whole lot of really gifted, great leaders in this nation, and actually from overseas as well. And these these guys would come and they would pour their lives out into the next generation, hoping to inspire them to something different, hoping to inspire this next generation to take their mantle and run for the kingdom of God. One of the great leaders that I met, and and one who stays closer to me than any of them, was a guy called Jim Hearn. Jim Hearn, he was in his 80s, and and, uh, I would often have him come and speak to the teenagers. And he could captivate them with his stories, and he could move them towards a relationship with Jesus like no one I had seen. His age was no wall. It was no barrier between him and teenagers. He was incredible. One of those those 11 years, we held a conference at Logan Campbell Center. Um, It had been a really exhausting day. We had 1,000 young boys uh, turn up for the event that year. And and we'd had some of the warriors and and the All Blacks and Michael Jones and all of those guys had been there. And and we'd just poured our lives out. And and Jim Hearn had spoken a number of times. And and we'd got to the end of the event and it was late at night and, and, and we were moving, moving away from the event and Jim was with me and, and one other leader and, and we were just walking. We said, well, we'll try and we'll go that way to get out of here. And, and we were leaving the center and we got to the point where we just got face to face with this wall. And it's a big wall, right? And it's got metal on the top of it. It's got brick and then metal and, and it's got the spikes on the top. And I turned to Jim and he looked at me and I looked at him and I looked at the other leader and I said, guys, no way. You know, let's, let's just go back that way. We'll go out the front gates, you know. That would be the best thing to do. So I started to turn and the other leader turned and we started to walk but realized that Jim wasn't with us. We turned around and like a gecko, this 80-year-old scaled the wall and popped over the top and was standing on the other side looking at us. Well, we looked at him and he looked at us and I looked at the other leader and the challenge was on. (laughs) There's nowhere to go from here. So we tried to scale that wall as well. Not as easily as he did, but we managed to scale it and get over. Well done indeed. (laughs) There was no obstacle for Jim in life. No wall that was so big that his God couldn't get him through or that his God couldn't get him over. We're in Joshua chapter 6. The Israelites are face to face with the wall of Jericho. 
Walls that are so tall and so wide, um, they are shut tight, they're impenetrable. Walls that stood between them and the future. I'm sure they stood there going, how are these walls going to come down? What will it take to break through these walls? How will we ever possess Jericho with walls shut so tightly to keep us out? And as I was pondering this situation, I thought, I wonder what's on the other side of the wall. <laughs> Let's get personal for a minute. Let's get personal. I'm on the other side of the wall. I'm not standing outside the wall, marching around in obedience around the walls. I'm safely tucked inside my walls, impenetrable walls, walls that protect me from the outside, from anyone seeking to invade my territory, walls that are thick like those of Jericho, reinforced, sometimes multiple layers of walls, a fortress carefully constructed to protect my heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? We've all got a wall. Many of us, we don't even realize that we built these walls around our hearts until someone starts to try and break them down. Until someone starts marching around our walls. Until someone begins the process of penetrating those walls. Walls aren't easy to break down. But God. But God can break down walls. God can break in and bring healing. God can break in and bring a freshness into our lives. Like the Israelites, unless the walls of Jericho fall, they will not receive the full promise of the promised land. Walls prevent us from receiving everything that God has for us. I wonder if in your mind right now, you're going, I know what that wall is, but I'm not going to let you know. <laughs> no one's penetrating my wall. It's true of the Israelites and it's true of us. We need these walls to come down. And I think Joshua teaches us some things that can help us in this process. Here's the first thing. Walls fall down through communication. Walls fall down through communication. Verses 1 and 2 of Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and out. No one came in. No one. And then the Lord said to Joshua, you can just imagine the Lord pointing off to the city of Jericho. See? See, Joshua? I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and all its fighting men. <laughs> right. The major obstacle facing Joshua and the people of Israel was Jericho and its walls. 
the obstacle facing each one of us in our journey with God, with going deeper with God, with fulfilling everything that God has for us, for living a full life with Christ, are the walls that we build up around our hearts. If they can't conquer the city, then all hope for the Israelites is gone. But I want you to know this. God has the solution before you have the problem. God has the solution before you have the problem. Because you see, God goes ahead of us into the future to resolve the now. It's only a matter of listening. It's a matter of communicating. See, God had, Joshua had a God who communicated with him. In verse 2 it says, And God said to Joshua. This is an audible voice speaking to Joshua. I want you to know that God still communicates today. And you go, well, just a second, I've not heard the audible voice of God. Maybe you're not listening. It's not always audible, by the way. <laughs> Let me give you some help. This is how you could listen to what God is saying to you. Four things. Number one, come to God with your request. Now, I'm going to warn you that in order to hear what God is saying to you, you're going to have to create space and time to do that. You can't run around all day and just expect that God is going to pop in and speak somewhere. You've got to actually stop and make space. Come to God with your request, number one. Number two, wait in silence. Waiting can be short. It can be long. It takes time. But wait and then, with a pen and paper in your hand, jot down any scriptures that come to mind. Jot down any pictures that you might get, any songs that might come to you, or impressions that God might give you. Jot those things down, and then go and share it with a trusted friend. And when you feel like you've got confirmation of what God might be saying to you, do it. Do it. So you want to hear what God's saying? First, go to him with your request. Wait in silence. Jot the stuff down that might be coming into your mind. Some of you might get an audible voice. That's great. Not doesn't happen for everyone. If you do, write it down. Go to a trusted friend. Share it. Pray over it. And then act on it. God told Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men, and provided the plan for taking Jericho. No matter how high the wall, God is willing to go over it with you. Hand in hand, he will take you into the promised land. God is committed to communicating with his people. He's committed to you. God is committed to you. He will communicate with you. Don't try to overcome the walls in your life under your own strength. Communicate with God. If you could do one thing today, don't let life continue as normal without stopping for a minute to communicate with Him. Let that be your first plan of action rather than your last resort. So number one, walls fall down through communication. Number two, walls fall down through obedience. Verses six and seven. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and he said to them, 
Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. You see, when faced with the walls of Jericho, Joshua complied with the plan of God. It's madness, right? Walk around the walls? What the heck? You know, the way that they did it in those days was siege warfare. You would, you would siege the city and you would stop the water flow. You would stop the food from going in and you would starve them out. And sometimes that would take years. It can take a long time, but it was siege warfare. All of a sudden, God's saying, just walk around this place. Really? To walk around a city for seven days and blow trumpets and then yell at the wall? <laughs> That's going to work? I wonder if they actually were a bit skeptical at first. I wonder if it was a test of obedience for Israel. I don't know. Is it God showing Israel that he fights their battles? Maybe it's that. But God knew he could use a man like Joshua because he was a man of faith and a man of obedience. We saw that 40 years ago when he came back from the promised land with a favorable report. God can use men and women who by faith are obedient to God. And so in verses 8 and 10, God instructed the people of Israel to carry the trumpets with the ark of the Lord following for six days. They were not to speak. And on the seventh day, they were to follow this routine with one addition. They were to shout in glory to God because the city had been delivered to them. No battle before or after has been won in such a manner. Yet around the city they marched day after day after day in an act of faith and in an act of obedience. And as they marched each circle around the city, I'm sure they could see the impossibility of the situation. And yet they walked. And yet they walked. I wonder if you can see the impossibilities of a situation in your life. And God is saying, walk, keep walking. He's gone ahead of you to solve the problem. Obedience is the key to moving God's mighty hand in our lives. Are you listening? Are you marching around the walls of your heart, even though the situation seems impossible? Walking in faith and obedience to God's leadership? What's the wall in your life that you need to yell at? That you need to blow the trumpet at? Because that thing needs to fall down. And the last thing we can learn from Joshua out of verse 20 is walls of impossibility become possible through confidence. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted at the sound of the trumpet. Can you imagine it? The nation of Israel, they'd marched for six days. Now they're standing around the walls. The trumpets blow. The people yell, glory to God. And the walls, they come crumbling down. I spoke to a guy this week who said he's been there to ancient Jericho. And he's seen the evidence that the walls came down. They came down with a loud shout and the walls collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the cities. The walls fell. The impossible became possible. 
The walls were not the problem. They never are the problem. We are the problem. We always are the problem. But God has the power to do as he chooses. And he desires that we act in obedient faith to him. And when we do, guess what? The walls come down. The walls come down. Hebrews 11.30 reminds us, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Joshua, the people of God, demonstrated deep confidence and faith in God and obedience to his word. That is the same call for us today. Friends, we are to display the same amount of faith and confidence and obedience in Christ today. The confidence that will bring the walls down. Let's not let life continue as normal. Let's take the time to pray. And we're going to do that right now. We're just going to sit in silence. You with your maker. And just pray and just let the Spirit of God speak to you. What wall in your life is he wanting to break down? Just take some time. Father, we thank you for your loving presence. We know that as you look down on each one of your children here and online, that you can see our hearts, you know our hearts. You know the walls that we construct to keep people out. You know the walls that we construct to keep you out. Give us the faith today, Lord, that we need and the courage to walk in obedience with you no matter what the cost, that those walls might fall. Lord, I know the heart of each one here. I know their heart is to know you more, to walk with you more closely, to know your presence more deeply. 
Father, I want to pray that for every single person, that they would know that presence of God in their lives. Glenn, can we, can you just, thanks, bro. Um, we're going we're gonna to finish in here, but I'm um, going to keep the space because uh, we've got a prayer team here. Um, and uh, if any of you want prayer, we'd love you just to just come forward for prayer before we finish the service. Um, come and do that. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe there are some walls there that you just go, I'm not quite sure how I can break this down, but you just want some prayer around that from some of the prayer team or some of the pastoral staff, and then we'd love to pray with you. Uh, so do come and be prayed for before you go today. Um, but know this, you know that our hope is in Christ, yeah? Our hope is in Christ and no one else. He's the one who transforms us. He's the one who transforms us when we let him. And when he transforms us, he also empowers us. He empowers us to live a life that we can't even imagine. A life free in his presence. A life free under his word. Walking hand in hand with God into the mysterious unknown future knowing that His powerful and personal presence is with us, there's nothing greater than that. Nothing greater. Oh, He'll plant you in situations and give you dreams and ideas you've never had. I think of Takapu, our Wednesday lunchtime ministry that's happening here at the moment. Started by Nettie and Alshin and some other faithful prayers and just seeking God's heart. So full of community people on Wednesday. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. Just stepping out in faith and obedience. It's beautiful. There's more of that though. There's more of that. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.